0: There was a raggedy, pre-lit Christmas tree. No lights were working. It was set up for a family Thanksgiving gathering. A picture of a mother and a widow trying to get into the holiday spirit, but being left as ragged. With grief as that tree represented. Darkness, no light. A son who used to love the holidays but is left with the pain of his father being gone. Dark, no light. A daughter whose mother lived for Christmas, but now the mother is gone, and the daughter's life is a mess. Dark, no light. A father not sure where his kids' Christmas gifts will come from this year. Darkness seems to prevail. Darkness seems to be winning. Darkness. Where's the light? This is my story. This is your story. You no doubt can identify with the difficulty the holidays can bring sometimes. The the seeming darkness that we face... The time of year that's supposed to be the happiest leaves us numb. This world is dark. Where's the light? But you see, sometimes it's in the darkest rooms. It's in the darkest places that the smallest light shines the brightest that's what advent is all about realizing the darkness of the world we live in and anticipating that light will come advent is is that idea and that ideal that That there was an awaiting for the promised light in the midst of darkness that surrounded them, in the midst of silence, in the midst of uh, it seeming like God was nowhere and his truth was not to be found and he wasn't speaking and it was dark all around. And the people anticipated the arrival of Messiah, the arrival of the Christ child, the arrival of their king, the arrival of the one that would come and would rescue, that would shine His light brightly into the dark world. And that's what happened and that's what we recount every Advent season to remind ourselves that Jesus did come. That light is here, that light has arrived, and even in our darkness, even in our pain, even in our grief, the light shines. In this series that we begin today called Advent, the light has come. I want to help us to see how that light has always been promised in the midst of the greatest darkness that has shown, that that has been prevailing in our world from the very beginning and how that light has shone through all along. Sometimes dimly. But that light will one day shine more brilliantly than you and I. Can imagine. You see, there is hope. There is hope. Yes, it seems dark at times. It seems like there is no light. But, friends, because of Jesus Christ, we have hope. We have hope. We have hope immeasurable hope in the light of Christ because Jesus has come and He does invade darkness and He gives us comfort when nothing else will satisfy, when nothing else will fill us, when nothing else, when everything else seems to leave us bare, leave us numb, leave us wanting. Jesus will fill us up to overflowing and because His light has come, and we can see this from the very beginning. And so would you turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1 as we explore what God has promised to us. We see, we, we need to understand and, and realize three things today, I think. Number one, we need to realize that God has established a relationship with humanity. God has established a relationship with humanity. And we see this in the very beginning of Scripture. Would you read with me Genesis 1, 26 through 28? Then God said, let us make man in our image... According to our likeness, they will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, the whole earth, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God, and he created them male and female. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. Rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every creature that crawls on the earth. So what we see in this passage is... Uh, something that it was, was familiar uh, to to everyone not just the people of God it was familiar it, it was it was a practice it was a it was it was it was uh, things um, that everyone in the ancient near East would would enter into a covenant relationship with others they would literally cut a covenant and and, and that was a, the terminology used because this was usually done by two parties killing uh, an animal, splitting it in two. I know it's very gruesome, but they would cut it in half and they would split it in two and they would walk, both walk through the, the split carcasses and it was as if they were saying, may I be like this animal if I don't keep my end of the covenant. May, be, may I be broken into maybe I cut, be cut in two if I break my word and my relationship with you and so that was a, 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 an ancient practice, a common practice among the people of God among among all peoples, this covenant relationship that would be built between uh, two parties. but covenants come in many forms and and you, you understand a marriage covenant that was a covenant between two people who were uh, not related to one another. They became uh, in a covenant relationship with with one another. And so, what we see, each and every covenant, regardless of how they were cut and what practices were done in each of those, it was ultimately signified. It was ultimately signifying a relationship being established between two parties. It was ultimately a relationship being put together, a relationship being built. There's a a couple of uh, scholars, uh, Peter Gentry and Stephen Wellham, this is what their definition of a covenant is based on this understanding of Old Testament scripture and Near East traditions. A relationship, this is their definition, a relationship between parties characterized by faithfulness and loyalty and love. I want to say that once again just because uh, this, this would be a great thing to write down to, to remember. This is very important. A relationship between parties characterized by faithfulness and loyalty and love. And we see that God, not only did the ancient Near East uh, people put together covenants, cut covenants with one another another to build relationships. Not only uh, was that true of even God's people, but it was true of how God operated as well. God operated in this idea of covenant. He worked in covenant, in in promise, establishing a relationship with humanity, uh, establishing a relationship with groups of chosen humanity. And at the inception of the human race, God established a relationship with the man and the woman that he created. And we see it in these verses that God cut a covenant with them, established it immediately as soon as he brought them into being, as soon as he breathed life into their lungs, he made a covenant promise. He made a relationship with them. And we see that in Genesis 1:26. Through twenty-eight, God established a covenant as rulers of the day would 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 establish their rule and their reign and their conquest over a land. Oftentimes, a ruler would would con, would conquer a certain land, and they would. And, and this ruler would have his image displayed at the at the city gates, at the entrance to this land. He would have his image displayed and. Uh, oftentimes there were inscriptions describing this idea of, of his image being put on display to acknowledge that uh, he had uh, entered into a relationship with this group of people, even sometimes forcefully. But God established his covenant with these people, not as conquest as others did. That was a difference. But God, and God didn't just put his image, his actual uh, picture on uh, a land before they entered in it. God put his image and his likeness on the very people he entered into relationship with. That's what this passage of Scripture is saying. It says, in the beginning, God created them in his likeness. In his image, he created him. And those words have meaning. They have significance. And if we understand how covenants were established, we understand the significance of this idea of God himself placing his image and his likeness on humanity. God was establishing a covenant not only with those people, but as a result to the whole world, God put His image and likeness on mankind instead of on some epithet at the beginning of some city or town. God placed His His image and His likeness and established His covenant by placing it on mankind to be His representation. In the world, he entered uh, into a divine human relationship that presided over all creation. Likeness, this word likeness, that scripture shows us that God used as he um, showed us how this act took place between he and Adam and Eve. Likeness, that word means sonship. Sonship. And it really represents our relation, our relationship to God. It's how we are in relation to God. The word image means that we humans represent God in terms of his royal rule over his creation. This is our relationship to his subjects. It's it's a we we bear his image. We are servant. We have a servant kingship. So you have likeness is his sonship, is our sonship. We are sons and daughters because we bear his image. In the fact, in the same way that Seth was made in the likeness of Adam, he was a son of Adam. Then so Adam was a son of God. Adam was uh, or displayed sonship. And then we also, in our image, we, we display the royal rule of our, the one we belong to, the one who we are sons and daughters to the rest of the world. I want to show you a slide. I think that will help us to, to capture the understanding of this. So you see there, there's a vertical relationship that you and I, that's a part of this covenant. There's a vertical and then there's a horizontal. The vertical... Is likeness. Likeness is a covenant relationship between God and mankind, humankind, and the image is the relationship, the covenant relationship between uh, His representation, His sons and daughters, to all creation. That's why you see, in the beginning, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. They will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky. They will be servant kings over my creation this language this representation is covenant relationship so God has established a relationship with mankind he's established a relationship between uh, between anyone bearing his image anyone bearing his likeness he's established a relationship with us he loves us. We bear his image. We are his representation into the world. The likeness is the covenant relationship between God and man. The image is the covenant relationship between man and earth or man and creation. Think about it this way. If you will uh, if you will even think about when Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? Someone was trying to trip him up and said, "Jesus, what's the greatest commandment?" What did he say? Love God, love others. He was acknowledging the covenant that was already established. You wanna follow me? You wanna be my representation? You wanna follow my commands? Love God, love others. Even the 10 commandments are, are, are separated in two, two categories. The first four commandments are all about how we can love God. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Love the Lord your God, uh, uh, and, and keep the Sabbath day like all these things are how we love God right the fifth is a transitional because it's uh, that we we, we we love God and each other and then the last five uh, of the Ten Commandments are how we love each other by not doing terrible things to one another All of this language is is language that harkens back to that original covenant, that original relationship that God in his creation of humankind established. God established a covenant relationship with his people. We still bear his image and all of, human, all of mankind does and thus each man, woman, and child represents God to the world and we are deserving of honor simply because of that fact. Now, God established that everything was great. But then humankind broke the covenant and strained the relationship. That's the second thing that we see is that humanity placed a strain on the relationship that God established. We messed up. God didn't change. Nothing changed about God. Nothing changed about His covenant. He did not break His covenant. He is true to it to today. On the other hand, Adam broke the covenant we see this in Genesis chapter 3, verses 6 and 7. The woman saw that the tree was good for food and delightful to look at, and that it was desirable for obtaining wisdom. So she took some of its fruit and ate it, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, as and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew that they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Adam, whose name actually means humanity, failed to follow through on his end of the covenant's terms. You see, every promise, every covenant made, every relationship would have terms. You can do this, you can't do that. And then there would be consequences if those terms were broken. And the covenant's consequences were initialized at that moment for all humanity because Adam stood as the figurehead for humanity. The consequences, the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die initiated in that moment you see it was that day that darkness entered into the equation the darkness you and i experience the reason christmas can be so hard is a consequence of the covenant breakers and like any business deal gone bad the relationship was strained that's why there's always going to be the tension of Living amongst the darkness, awaiting the arrival for the light to come and to invade. We need reconciliation. We need light to come and invade our darkness. We see a third thing we see that God has provided hope for that relationship to be restored that was a lot of bad news. It's a somber moment. It's, uh, it, it's tense. It, it, it's, it's uh, you know, what are we, where are we going here? This is supposed to be Christmas. It's supposed to be happy. It's supposed to be light. It's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be exciting. But we have to acknowledge the, the tension, the darkness, the, the, the difficulty that we face and the reason we face it. But there is hope. Amen? There is hope. A Christ who came to invade the darkness, to, to bring light and to restore the relationship that He didn't need to do, to restore. He didn't have to restore. We messed it up. He didn't do anything wrong. But He restored it anyway. And there's hope in that. There's hope that that relationship can be restored. It, it's, it's, it's as soon as God comes onto the scene in this moment after He after they've discovered we've sinned, we've done wrong, we're... We're at a place where we have, have failed and we tried to, they tried to, to, to accomplish their own covenant and cover themselves and uh, make themselves right before God in their own strength. And God comes in and is like, something's different. Where are they? As if they could hide. We're over here. We've messed up. What does he do? Yes, he acknowledges they're wrong. He acknowledges their sin, but he instills hope. In a moment, he instills hope again, right at the beginning. And he says in Genesis three fifteen, "I will put hostility between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring." He's speaking to the serpent. He will strike your he was, he's speaking about the serpent. He will strike your head, the serpent will, and you will, uh, the, the serpent will strike your heel alone, but the offspring of the woman will strike the head of the serpent. This is the first mention. This is uh, light explodes into the darkness. Right away, light comes. It, maybe it's just a flicker. If only a glimmer, it's the promise of a new covenant established in this moment, a promise that light will come, light will invade, light will fix, light will restore. The promise of a new conquest, the conquest of Jesus that will abolish the darkness eventually. This is the promise that you and I have. I want you to read with me Romans 5. Paul Paul mentions this better than I ever could. And so I want you to see Romans chapter 5 beginning in verse 12. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, Adam, and death through sin, darkness entered the world that day. In this way, death spread to all people because all sin, because we are under the figurehead, because Adam's name represents humanity. He stands as our representative in fact, sin was, the, was in the world before the law, but sin is not charged to a person's account when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who did not sin in the likeness of Adam's transgression. He is a type of the coming one. In my Bible, that's capitalized because it's helping us to see that Adam was a, a type of one who was coming that would fulfill the covenant, that would fulfill the end of the covenant on humanity's end. But the gift is not like the trespass. The gift is not like the sin. The light is not like the darkness. For if by the one man's trespass, the many died. If by Adam's sin, Adam's darkness, Adam's rebellion, the, the many died How much more have the grace of God and the gift which comes to the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflowed to the many... And the gift is not like the one man's sin because from one sin came the judgment resulting in condemnation, but from many trespasses came the gift resulting in justification. Since by the one man's trespass, Adam's, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive the overflow of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man Jesus Christ. You see, the light came in Jesus. The gift over, overwhelmed the sin. The light overwhelmed the darkness through him. And so then, verse 18, so then as through one trespass, there is condemnation for everyone. So also through one righteous act, the act of Jesus, the perfect righteous act of our Lord and Savior, there is justification leading to life for everyone. For just as through one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so also through the one man's Jesus' obedience, the many will be made righteous. The law came along to multiply the trespass, but where sin multiplied, listen or darkness multiplied, grace, light multiplied even more so that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace will reign through righteousness resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Which brings me to Matthew chapter 1, 20 through 23. Listen to the promise that Joseph received about the one who would come. But after he considered the, uh, things, these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David... Don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to name him Jesus because Jesus means God saves his people from their sins. Light will come. Light will come. And now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord the prophet see the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son and they will name him Emmanuel which is translated God with us that day the day that Jesus came the day that Jesus was born the light the flicker the flicker became a blazing fire The flicker became blazing light that day and it continues to burn in us and through us. We as members of his new covenant are in relationship to Jesus and bear his image to a world who desperately needs to see the light that you and I possess, that you and I know, that you and I have experienced the blazing fire of of the light of Christ blazes in our hearts. And the world that is dark, yes, the pain that we experience, yes, can be multiplied the light even more. Who do you know? that struggles to face this time of year shine the light of Jesus towards them. Who do you know that hurts, Is in pain because of the pain that they've experienced and the darkness that has prevailed in their lives? We have the hope, friends. We have the light. We have the grace. We have Jesus. And what was undone by Adam and his failures can be undone even more by Christ and his successes. And you and I have received that and carry that out. Let's be the light and call others to step into the light out of their darkness this Christmas. Let's pray. Bow your heads and close your eyes. Lord, help us. Number one, Lord, to live in the tension of dark. It is dark. It's hard. The story I shared at the beginning it's literally my story where Thanksgiving used to be one of my favorite days of the year because my dad died four years ago on that very day I hate it because the darkness is hard to face the light of Christ shines into the midst of that darkness I don't have to face that alone I don't have to face the darkness without your light shining over me and so God I pray that you'd help us to acknowledge that to live in that to find joy in that hope in that to live in that so that others can see as well the light has come Christ has come and you undo what the darkness seems to have power over Lord you undo that with your light where sin multiplied grace multiplies even more Thank you, Lord. I pray if someone is here today, Lord, that doesn't know the light of Christ, that hasn't received that light, hasn't stepped out of their darkness and into the light of Christ, God, I pray that you'd help them to do that today. Friends, if you are here today and you've not trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior today, if you've not placed your hope in the light of the world, today you can come, I'd love to share with you. You come today. If you just need prayer today, you come. If you need someone to stand with you and to point you to the light, come and someone will do that. If I could have just several folks willing to come and to pray with folks, would you come right now? Our eyes are about our heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Would you just come to be available? Stand up here with me so that people can know that there's someone that they can come to that will shine the light of Jesus over their lives. Would you come right now, just uh, leaders and deacons and and, and ladies, uh, would you come if you're willing to do that, to be available to pray over folks that may need that prayer in this moment? Lord, we want to be attentive to what you're calling us to. Lord, we want to be uh, listening to how you are leading us. Lord, we pray that we would reach out for the light that you have. Speak to our hearts as we sing, Lord, work in our lives. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Would you come and just stand? up?